Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. We're here for an encounter with Jesus every single Sunday. And today we want to do that through the vehicle of Father's Day. We want to celebrate Father's Day, that day about peering over someone else's shoulder at a barbecue and asking if they're doing it right and watching Vin Diesel movies and, of course, making terrible, terrible jokes. What do you call it when it's somebody else's cheese? Nacho cheese. Thank you very much. In reality, this is a day when we celebrate the incredibly difficult and important role of being a father, uh, a role that in which it is incredibly hard, has always been hard, and perhaps even harder nowadays. It's funny, you'd think with more information on how to be a father, we'd all be much better at it. Instead, we just feel overwhelmed by the abundance of information. And although babysitting options are much better than they ever have been before, electronic babysitting is not always the best way to raise and disciple our children. So... Between uh, the age of technology and the unexpected nightmare of all becoming homeschool parents during COVID lockdown, we are trying to work out how to parent at an exponential speed. So how do we do that and what are the effects? Well, I think one of the problems we have with our fathers is this. We have these limitations as parents and they turn us to look at two different things. Number one, we have unresolved issues with our parents that we don't like to talk about very much. And the second, that this points to unresolved issues with God the Father. And because we have unresolved issues with our parents, and if we're parents ourselves, we're we're trying to work that out in real time, it means that we end up projecting, I believe, our frustrations and uncertainties onto God the Father. That is, we look at the limitations of our parents, and we all have them, and we go, this must be what God is like. But God isn't like that. And I want to put it to you today that God is, in fact, the dad you've always wanted. And every time that you've been striving and hoping for something of fatherhood that you haven't quite seen, it is in God that you will find that. Well, we're not the first people to struggle with this. Uh, And my own experience as a father, you'll be stunned to hear this, has been less than perfect. In fact, not six minutes ago, I dragged one of my sons across next to me on the chair and gave him a stern telling off in what I hoped was a quiet hiss that uh, the entire church wouldn't hear. But some of my other experiences, I, uh, I may or may not have let my daughter go down a set of stairs in a washing basket, um, which smashed at the bottom. And of course, I already suspected she had a fractured wrist, and she definitely did after that. <laughs> I uh, have been known to film my toddler children climbing into cars. I definitely let my six-year-old daughter do the ice bucket challenge, which remains one of the funnier moments of my life. But honestly... My greatest learning moment as a father hasn't come from any of those silly, you know, risks that are within limits risks. My greatest learning moment as a father came when when my son was born. So Grace is my oldest child, but Charlie, my oldest son, I, I remember that just hit me different. I remember looking down at him, I just changed him. He was lying on my bed in, in doing that thing that, you know, we do when we get the new clothes feel and uh, just lying there all happy. And I remember looking down at him and thinking, this is just on me. And it's not like raising my daughter wasn't on me, but there's always that excuse of, well, as a role model, she'll ultimately be looking to Jenny, my wife. But this, 
yeah, this, this hits. I do not have any way to escape this. This is on me. And the weight of that landed on me. Because there is a weight to parenting, isn't there? If you're a parent in this room, you understand that there is a particular weight to parenting. The Apostle Paul talked about it that way. He spoke to the church he planted in Corinth in Greece. And he was telling them off for their poor behaviors, not, as he says, to shame them, but to warn them. And here's why he did it. He said, it's because you're like my own children. He says, I'm not writing this to, warn, to, to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Because you have countless instructors, countless teachers in Christ, but few fathers. Few people that will invest. And Paul goes on to say, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now for me, as many of you will know, part of my story is I'm adopted. So my biological father isn't my main father figure. My adoptive father is. And so for all of us, whether we have our own biological children, when we're part of the family of God, we step into a place where we begin to adopt others into our family, to serve as father figures, to come alongside them as uncles and fathers and aunts and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers and to fill in the family of God. And this is what Paul was talking about. We have many teachers, but few invested parents. 300 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. 300 hours a minute. That's a lot of people who would like to be your instructor or teacher. Very few who are invested personally in the role of fathers. Fatherhood is deeply underrated in its importance to our development. Here's just a few stats on fathers via fatherhood.org. Children without fathers are four times more likely to live in poverty. They're more likely to suffer emotional and behavioural problems. They have higher levels of aggressive behaviour than children born into married homes. They have two times the risk of infant mortality. They are more likely to go to prison. In fact, only one in five prison inmates grew up with their father present. And they're twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity. Now, I just want to pause here and point this out. Just because these stats are correct does not mean it's impossible to flourish without a father in the home. That's the story for many of you who are here today. You are well-rounded, fantastic adults growing in faith and life, and you haven't had a father figure in the home. It does not mean that single mums doing their best are insufficient. Absolutely not. Some of the best human beings I know, the best adults I know, were raised by single mums. What it is to say is that when the father is in the house as well, our odds of flourishing skyrocket. There is something about that and we can both celebrate it while acknowledging it isn't the only pathway to success. Amen. So what does that mean for your relationship with God the Father? Well, let's go on to today's teaching text. Matthew 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon. He's taking the time to show you the difference between human fathers and God as our Father. Indeed, some scholars would argue that the point of the Sermon on the Mount is to help us understand that God is our Father and this is how He desires we would live. And Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find that God in His grace is longing to give you good gifts. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. That's James 1.17. This is biblical. It's from James. It's from Jesus. But there's a problem. Church, we don't really believe it. We don't really believe that if we ask God for something, we'll receive it. We don't really believe that if we seek, we'll find, like maybe with that one but we just don't trust God the way he's challenging us to. And if Jesus is challenging us to, we need to take that very seriously. 
But our own experiences with our fathers, both good and bad, have led us to this idea that we just can't trust that God is who He says He is, that He'll do what He says He'll do. We don't necessarily believe that God has our best interest at heart. And that undermines us having a healthy relationship where we can view Him as our Father. Now, you might wonder, is this really such an important concept? I mean, God is our Creator. We've got Jesus, the Saviour. We've got the Holy Spirit. Isn't that enough? Why do we need to see God as Father? Well, there's something deeply important about the relationship God has with us as a parent to a child. And it is, it is the chosen language of Jesus again and again to point us to this idea that God is just not just a creator, but he's a parent, a parent. And that's really important. And we struggle to have that intimacy with God because of our own issues with our own fathers. So maybe, maybe we, for example, believe that God exists because the evidence is pretty good. We can talk about that another time. But do we believe he's a loving father? Maybe not. Maybe not. I think we've built up narratives around our dads and we've then projected that narrative back onto God. Or we've had one experience spiritually and we've said that means that God is like this as opposed to I have processed it in this way. Do you see what I'm saying there? We've made it about God's insufficiencies as opposed to our own perspective. And I think God wants to challenge that. So I want to highlight a few of these narratives this morning we have around our own dads that are ruining our relationship with God the Father. These are real narratives, and I just, I'm just really conscious this morning that for some of you, this might hit home really powerfully, not just in a spiritual conviction way, but in a this is my personal experience and I'm struggling way. So I just offer this to you in grace and love to say I think God has something to draw you closer to him this morning, not to condemn you or, or break you from your past experiences, okay? So the first thing, the first type of dad is the distant dad. Right, The distant dad, this is one of our narratives. This is the dad who may have only ever been there early in the mornings and late at night. Or maybe they just flew the coop. They just left and never came back. This is a, a dad who abandoned their responsibility to fatherhood. They were either emotionally or physically distant. And so this dad was not around growing up in the way you needed him to be because distant dads are, are inherently selfish. Now, that's not to say there aren't sometimes reasons. People can be stuck. Like, for example, if you're, if you're in the armed services and you're overseas for a period of time, I'm not talking about that. You can hear that, right? This is about people who make a conscious decision of, I don't want to be invested. I am prioritizing other things over my children. So how does this affect the way we understand God? Well, as you can imagine, it affects it quite a bit. People who have had a distant dad imagine God to be a distant God. And, and a God who is physically distant because we can't see him in the way we desire must also be emotionally distant. That is, a God we can't see, a God we can't fully understand means he chooses not to see or understand us. If God really loves me, why, where is he when I need him? Why can't I see him? Why can't I feel him? Why aren't I having the spiritual experience I feel like I need right now? It's actually a pretty common narrative. Maybe this has been true for some of you. But Psalm 145 reminds us of this. The Lord is near to all who call out to him. All of us, the Lord is near. In fact, even more than near, we, and, and, and that's a good thing, but we actually need a father who is willing to give us a little bit of distance. And this is one of the things I want to share. With each of these narratives, there is a silver lining to each of these clouds. You see, we don't need a dad who's not around, of course, but we need a dad who recognizes not to be a helicopter parent. 
We need a dad who can be present and do the real work of a parent in our life, yet not do the work of growing up for us. We can't have that because that results in us having a stunted adolescence. See, the distant dad, for all their faults, gives you that one gift, the knowledge that nobody else can live your life for you. We can guide you, we can shape you as fathers, but ultimately, you have to step out and do it. Yet somehow, in all of this, as we look on God as distant, the narrative that God chooses to give us through the Scripture is totally different. God the Father didn't remain distant from us at all. And He did come and live our life for us. The coming of Jesus was God doing the work for us, coming to be present for us and standing in the gap between His immeasurable holiness and our own sin. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we deserve to die in order to make sure we would be with Him forever. So your Heavenly Father, church, is not distant at all. He is closer than you realize. He is a God who came near for you to do the work you couldn't do so you could live the life He's calling you to live. That is when the distant dad comes good. And I just need to reaffirm that. You may, this may be your image of God. He is a distant God. He set the world in motion as creator and he walked off. No, he is a God who came near in Jesus and sacrificed everything on your behalf, your, his beloved children. So that's the first narrative. The second one is this. I call it the disciplinarian dad. This is the dad who is always angry. And this dad might have been physically present but that might have been the worst possible thing for you. This dad is emotionally stunted and they're unpredictable. And if this has been your life and you have experienced any kind of abuse or physical violence at the hands of a father figure, I'm so, so deeply sorry. You you have been betrayed by the person who was meant to sacrifice for you. I'm so sorry if that's your story. If you're processing it, I'd love to chat with you and pray for you and probably recommend some counselling for you as well because that is a deep, deep wound. But we are here as a church family for people like that. It's no surprise that people who have had this experience struggle to trust father figures and God the Father, rightly so. When you are abused and traumatised in this way, it's very hard to trust again. And abusive fathers are controlling figures. They seek to dominate and control through fear. It's how they manage their own insecurities. And it's how they manage their own fears, by dominating and controlling others. They're insecure about receiving love and insecure about not receiving love and insecure about their own identities. So they put up these angry, immovable boundaries, which they impose and regulate through force. Now, maybe if that's been your experience, you've then picked up the Bible and you've read about the God of the Old Testament, and you've gone, of course, that's exactly how I imagine God. This angry, distant figure who just wants to smite me, who just wants to cause me pain. Of course, that's all I've ever known. I could never follow a God with this kind of violence. Or maybe you read the New Testament and you see the boundaries put up in the moral law through the Apostle Paul and the teachings of Jesus and you say, oh, another controlling father figure. Yeah, that's not what I need in my life. No, thank you. But again, for all his faults, the disciplinarian dad gives you one gift and that is this, the knowledge that boundaries are critically important. We need boundaries desperately. We do not need them implemented through anger and violence, but we need them offered to us as a helpful way because without boundaries, we struggle. And in God the Father, we see something extraordinary. 
We see a God who took off all the physical boundaries, allowing us free will to make our own decisions. I don't know if you noticed it in the secular Australia. You can live however the heck you want to. There are no boundaries, really. As long as you don't impose on somebody else's way of living, you can do what you want. God gave us that free will. Yet at the same time, he offered us a pathway of guidance. And in fact, when we got free will, we immediately went, great, what's in it for me? Okay, what are the most selfish things I can do? And in our selfishness, we committed acts of violence on each other. And in those acts of violence, as we were cruel and hurtful to each other, the God who allowed us the freedom to have this free will stepped into the story and took that violence upon himself. By being crucified to the cross, he died to every act of violence so that he could bring peace. That's God's nature as a father, the sacrificial suffering servant who took all the violence of the world on himself so that you wouldn't have to. And as he did that, he laid out a moral law for us in the Bible, not to regulate it through fear, but to show you through love that there is a better way than the selfishness that leads us to acts of self-desire and violence. That's the way that God laid out for us. He is the very opposite of a disciplinarian dad. And we know that his way leads to life. Do you know why? Because in Jesus' resurrection, we saw it literally. The way of violence taken upon himself led to life everlasting. That's the life he offers you. A life purchased through his own suffering, his own sacrifice. Your heavenly father is not angry at you, church. He took the anger of the world on himself for you. Now here's the third and final narrative I want to bring. The disproportionate dad. Is disproportionate the most helpful word? No, but I was really going for the kind of dis-alliteration thing here. So let's call it the indulgent dad. The dad who lets me do whatever I want. And for many of you, your experience of having dad was much more like this uh, than it was either the first two. And let's be clear, it is certainly the best of those three options. And as I'm sure you're realising, there are far more than these three options. There are many nuances in between. But let me just go into the disproportionate dad for a moment. Because this dad is loving and caring. And the way he expresses his love and care is to let us do whatever we want. There's always a roof over our head. There's always a meal on the table. And there's always a dad there to affirm our decisions. Doesn't matter what that decision is. If somebody questions a poor decision you make by saying, oh, have you chatted to your family about this? You would just say, my family totally supports me in this decision. And they do. They don't dare question it because they're fearful that you'll withdraw your love if they do. The disproportionate dad is a dad that offers no boundaries. And we think we want this dad. We think we do. But in offering no boundaries, the disproportionate dad offers no guidance, no leadership. In fact, similar to the distant dad, he abdicates his role as parent. He's an adult figure in the house that is, yeah, he'll, he'll put a roof over your head and food on the table. But in terms of the guidance, the investment of a parent that we saw from Paul earlier, no, 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 no. You've got to live your life totally. I can't do that guidance for you. But we must, by removing the boundaries for our children... And affirming every possible outcome, we've made sure that our children will be formed by people outside of our own family. That somebody else will tell them how to grow up and live. The 300 hours of content posted every minute on YouTube will teach our children how to live rather than us. See, raising a child is a bit like jelly, right? 
Jelly's delicious. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you make it. But if you want it like to really be served up well, you want to put it in a mold. You don't just want to dump it into the fridge and hope for the best. You see what I'm getting at there? And that's what it's like having boundaries of guidance around us. They are not there to limit us. They are there to shape us in the way we should go. It's interesting. That was one of our Bible readings this morning from Proverbs. Raise children up in the way they should go. So disproportionate dads are foolish dads because they let their children get caught up in every cultural force. They are physically present, but they're absolving themselves of the responsibility of boundary setting. Dad's in the room. How are we going? So how does that affect our view of God? (laughs) Because the dad without boundaries is powerless to parent us. And a God without boundaries is powerless to be our God and powerless to save us. And if our God is powerless, then he is not worthy of our respect, which means he's impotent. He has no function. He cannot serve as our God. In fact, possibly he could serve as a little prayer jack-in-the-box that comes out only when we desperately need, but when then we'll close up and put it other times. We'll just put him away. We actually treat that God like we are the God in that relationship. And that's the danger. Romans chapter 1 challenges this idea. Paul speaks of God as having genuine wrath, genuine anger at our sin. But strangely, he describes it this way. Have a look at this. Therefore God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator, who is praised forever. Just read those first few words. God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts. See, Paul was unpacking in Romans his most famous letter, his theological masterpiece, and saying, do you want to know how God's anger is shown to us? He lets us do what we want. He removes our boundaries and leaves us to it. See, a boundaryless God is not the God we want. A boundaryless God, a God who lets us cross the unhealthy boundaries ourselves, does us no favours. Because we are meant as dads to set boundaries without furious insistence and to parent without being overbearing, but to be loving while also guiding. And God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, the counsellor, the guide, has shown you love by making your body His temple. You who are followers of Jesus have the Holy Spirit inside of you, guiding you on. And in love and comfort and guidance, these are all words of the Holy Spirit, but also conviction. The conviction of that's the wrong way, my child. That is the wrong way. And sometimes we think we don't want that God because conviction hurts, just like it hurts when you yank a child back off the edge of a road when they're about to walk into traffic. But it hurts a lot less. And that is the God of boundaries. That's why we so desperately need a God who doesn't just totally leave us to our own devices, but instead comes and lives it out with us. Now, why am I saying all of this? I get that this is heavy. I get that ideally you come to Father's Day and you're just concentrating on lunch, right? No, no, we don't do that at Play That Game at Encounter Church because we want you to have a conviction in your spirit every single week where God is speaking to you. And a great lunch also is good, but (laughs) next, you do that next. Why am I saying all of this? Because what you take from your family of origin shapes you deeply. We have wounds from our mother and our father that we have carried, or those, or those people who are guardians to us, or those people who should be guardians to us. I can't tell you, like, I 
cannot tell you how many conversations I have with people who are grieving the loss of father figures in their lives. The ones who abandoned them, the ones who never showed up in the first place. There, there is just a tremendous amount of grief and my heart breaks for those people. But God the Father is never abandoning you. And as fathers, he's calling us to do something. He's calling us to be physically present, to offer our children room to grow, to set firm boundaries without losing our cool, to pursue our personal calling without compromise from the world around us while helping our children to do the same, uh, to not create unrealistic expectations, to love and affirm our children while simultaneously stepping in and offering them wise boundaries and guiding them in the way they should go, freeing them to make that decision themselves, but at the same time telling them the wisdom of their decision. Now, if you're listening to that and saying that sounds deeply unrealistic and difficult, you're not wrong. But there's a fourth kind of dad. And if you're a dad in the room, this is the dad I'd invite you to be. And if you would like to become a dad someday, this is the kind of dad I'd invite you to become. It's the discipling dad. And the beauty of the discipling dad is you don't have to be the perfect personification of a father because we have God the Father. And you don't even have to be the perfect personification of God the Father here on earth. That's what Jesus was for. He lived that out for you already. But you get to be a discipling dad who points to Jesus and says, my child, this is who I want you to grow up to be like. The only perfect human who ever lived. This is the way in which you will go. These are the footsteps you will walk in. And I'm going to guide you imperfectly, but with my eyes fixed on the prize of Jesus Christ. And the freedom in that is you don't do the growing. The Holy Spirit within your child is doing that growing and nurturing. You're just there holding your hand. When you make a mistake, you're honest about it. But when you make those mistakes, the impact will be less if you're continually sending your children towards Jesus and walking there yourself. You can't just do one of those things, friends. You need to do both. There's no room in this world anymore for a drop-off youth group mentality of if I give my kid to youth group, they'll be raised up well. No, no, no. You, you need to walk that path with them. So the, the real impact on us is this. The real question you've got to ask yourself is this. Am I teaching myself how to walk in the ways of Jesus? Am I doing that for myself? And in doing so, am I looking across to how I could do it for somebody else? See, church, the Father is not distant. God sees being present is so necessary that he came down himself as Jesus to be with you. That's why we call him Emmanuel. This Father is a disciplinarian, but not for the reasons we think. Far from being an emotionally unstable parent, through love, God puts up wise boundaries to guide us, to govern our emotions and shape our character. And this father is disproportionate only in his love, not in his guidance. Instead of being a helicopter parent, uncertain of what to do, he sends us the Holy Spirit to guide us and convict us, yet not control us, to liberate us, yet teach us, allowing us personal agency, but not washing his hands of us entirely. God the Father is the dad you've always wanted. And if you are one of the thousands upon thousands of people in Australia who's grown up with real grief at your father, then God the Father is the one who will really pave the way for you. 
far more so than I will or any other father figure, much as we might try and step in the gap a little bit. It's God the Father who will guide you, who loves you, who will always be there for you. And so as we come to a close and band, you guys can come back up. For dads and for future dads, I just want to let you know the freedom in this is far more powerful than you might think. This, this probably does feel heavy, but can I tell you there's freedom in this because you're allowed to make mistakes. And like I said, if you make mistakes while intentionally fathering your children to become more like Jesus, while you yourself are on that path, the mistakes will be smaller. The impact will be less. If you do it in a community of other people doing the same thing, less again. I promise you that. Can I promise you this as well? If you're a parent in this room and this has been hitting hard and it's making you think of all your insufficiencies as a parent, we are all there, every single one of us, and Jesus has died to save us from that burden. It's okay. Tomorrow is a new day. We can always start fresh in Jesus. Right where we are, we can't unmake the past, but we can start fresh. We are a future-focused church looking ahead to what Christ will do in our lives. So if this morning, as you are here, you, you find this day really difficult, you've lost your fathers, you resent your fathers, you're distant, the freedom in this is even more powerful again because we will disappoint you, but your heavenly Father won't. That's my promise. You might not always understand His ways, you might question where he is at times, but he will never let you down. He will never leave you alone. He will never disappoint you. He is present with you. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.